Blog Talk Radio. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. <laughs> so if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it, better when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz. Place to be. Hi, this is Peggy Scott Addison. Guess what? I am buzzing with my man Brandon on Brandon Buzz. This is Michael Brainerd on Brandon's Buzz. Are you buzz? This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, and welcome to Brandon's Buzz. It's June 25th, 2009. It's 6 p.m. here in Texas, 7 p.m. back in the east, 4 p.m. out in Southern California, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. I appreciate you coming back for another listen with another great guest. Um, I want to tell you quickly how you can find the show. You can find the show in a number of ways. The show's official website, uh, as, as you should know if you're listening live, is www.blogtalkradio.com slash Buzz. Uh, from there, you can listen to the show, you can download old shows, you can leave me comments, you can send me emails. Uh, it's kind of, the, it's kind of uh, mission control for the show, and uh, I appreciate you going along and, and communicating with me. I appreciate any and all feedback about the show, and uh, I appreciate you guys finding the show. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. From there, uh, you can find a full radio archive of the show. Uh, just click on the radio button at the top of the page. It'll take you to a listing of all my shows, and you can listen to them from there, and you can also look at the great banners that my pal Joanne makes uh, to help me advertise the show. That's at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. I'm also at iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Uh, Just type in Brandon's Buzz at the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. um, Click on my logo, and from there you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes immediately download to your iTunes library the minute they're uploaded to the Music Store or you can download individual old shows as podcasts and listen to them on your, on your iPod or the portable device of your choosing. So I'm all over the Internet. There is no excuse not to be able to find me. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and uh, something will pop up that will certainly point you in my direction. And uh, I appreciate you guys doing that and finding me and listening to me and, and uh, coming back to and keep coming back to Brandon's Buzz. Uh, as, I, as I always say, I'm having the time of my life putting the show together for you guys and I appreciate you guys finding it and listening to it. Um, it's a strange afternoon today because word just broke about a half an hour ago that Michael Jackson just passed away, and that's hot on the heels of Farrah Fa- Fawcett's passing this morning. So it's a, uh, as I was telling my guest just before we went on the air, I, I'm, I'm turning 33 next month, and I literally cannot remember my life without Michael Jackson in it. So uh, it's a very strange feeling this afternoon, kind of uh, pondering a world without him. And, you know, as, even as I told my guest, even considering and notwithstanding the, the utter mockery that he made of his career in its, in its uh, later years, in his time, he was one of the foremost artistic geniuses in the history of the planet. Uh, and that art will live on forever and, you know, we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to enjoy his brilliance forever. And, uh, you know, every, everyone here at Brandon's Buzz and everyone here at Blog Talk Radio kind of passes on our sentiments to his family and, uh, you know, our deepest sympathies. Um, but the show must go on, and the show will go on, and I've got a great guest today. You know, one look at her playing the hell out of spoiled seductress Ashton Maine on the legendary ABC miniseries North and South was enough to make her an instant favorite for an entire generation of television fans. A huge role on the white-hot primetime soap Dynasty quickly followed, as did much Ballyhooed roles on the daytime series Santa Barbara and General Hospital, where she acted opposite the most iconic leading men, A. Martinez, Randolph Mantooth, Anthony Geary, in the history of the genre. She's best known to current fans as scheming Iris Dombrowski on As the World Turns, and she's come by the buzz this evening to discuss all of this and so much more. What a great thrill to welcome to my show today, the fierce, the fantastic Terry Garber. Well, thank you. I love the fierce part. That sounds great. (laughs) If I could only live up to that, I would be thrilled. (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. You do. (laughs) Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing great. It's sunny here in New York, and that's it's like the first time it's been sunny in weeks. Oh, wow. 
Well, let me yeah. tell you something. It's sunny here in Texas. It's 104 today, and it's going to be 106 tomorrow. So, Ooh, stay indoors. Stay in air yeah, conditioning. It's, it's one of the. I've I've been in here in Austin for 15 years now, and it's one of the hottest Junes that I can ever remember. So. Oh my. <laughs> so let's get the boring stuff out of the way first. Give us the 60 second bio on Terry Garber. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where'd you go to school? Okay, I was born in Miami, Florida. I won't tell you what year. Um, <laughs> I am the youngest of three children. Uh, okay. My father's a federal judge. My mother owned a cooking school and taught all kinds of French, Italian, Chinese cooking. Um, I went to Palmetto High School. I attended Boston University for a year. I went to American Academy of Dramatic Arts for a year. I went to HB Studios, which is Herbert Berghoff Studios, and I studied with Janet Alhanti out in Los Angeles. Wow. Um, lived in New York for several years, then moved to Los Angeles for 17, and I just moved back, to, not just, but moved back to New York City five years ago. Wow. And happy to be back. <laughs> so even though you were born in Miami, you're a New York girl. I am a New York girl. I am. I I couldn't imagine living without the subway system in my wow. life. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 it sounds like you always knew you wanted to be an actress. I always did. I was, um, from when I was really a little girl, uh, and I went to camp. I went to this fabulous camp in Georgia, and I did a musical. And from that moment on, I knew that was it for me. And also, I saw Fiddler on the Roof. When I saw the movie Fiddler on the Roof, I um, told my mother that I wanted to become an Orthodox Jew, which was shocking to my family. Um, and uh, my mother said, well, why don't we try, you know, you just being kosher for a little while, and let's let's see how that goes. So we tried that for a little bit, and then she served shrimp scampi one night, and that kind of blew the kosherness for me, and I went to the shrimp. And I realized that really... All I wanted to do was be in Fiddler on the Roof. I didn't need to become an Orthodox Jew to be in Fiddler on the Roof, which I did in my high school year. Wow. <laughs> and was it everything you wanted it to be? My life so far, it it has been I've been very lucky. I've had wonderful parts, but there, you know, there are up times and there are down times. Sure, sure, down sure. times are, are not fun. They are you think you're never going to get a job again. You always do get a job again, but it may take longer than you'd like it to take. Um, but I've been really, really fortunate. Wow. What would you call your big break? What What was the thing that really kind of set you on your path? I guess it would have to be north and south. Okay. I think. I mean, I did Texas. I was on Texas for a year before sure. that, and uh, that sort of started. It for me, I guess, but North and South is really what I'm still recognized for. You know, I was going to ask you how you adjusted to the daytime grind uh, uh, b- before I began researching this interview, and I'd completely forgotten that you actually started on soaps with Texas in, in 82. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was all of six years old that year. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> and believe it or not, that was my very first soap opera. I remember getting home from half-day preschool just in time to catch the last few minutes of that show. I'm not making this up. And my mom and I would settle in for a whole day of Days of Our Lives and Another World, and we would just, you know, kind of uh, live it up with the NBC soaps. And it was it was great, great fun. Oh, um, that's adorable. What do you remember about your time on Texas? Do you remember much? Um, I remember that it was very exciting to be doing it. It was shot in Brooklyn, and so we would take the subway out there, um, actually, a car would take us out there. We would take the subway home if we were done early. And I met people that I'm still friendly with, like Michael Woods and Christopher Goutman, who were on the show. Um, I just had dinner with them the other evening. Uh, what do I remember about it? Just it was it was an exciting time for me. I was very young, and to be working and to be working in the field that I wanted to be in um, was very exciting. Was was Beverly McKenzie still there at that time, or had she already left? No, she'd already left. Okay. How strange was it to be filming this huge show about Texas in the middle of New York City? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never even really thought of it that way, I guess. <laughs> Same thing with doing Dynasty, you know. Dynasty was all about oil and everything, and there we were in Los yep. Angeles. Um, <laughs> and set in Denver, of all places. And set in Denver, yeah. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me. I had a brain jog there. Um, 
it's funny. It's very funny how they did those, like, you know, oil things shooting up and then uh-huh. you really weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> and they shoot back to you in a close-up and you weren't really there. So you mentioned North and South kind of being your big break. And, and you know, I mean, that was, uh, as I said, for an entire generation of television fans, that was, you know, uh, one of the biggest things ever. How did that project come into your life? I was living in New York at the time, and I was flown to Los Angeles to test for a television pilot that Joe Pesci was doing. And it was evening time, and I tested, and I didn't get it. Victoria Jackson got it. And my agents called me and said, there's a script waiting for you at Warner Brothers. It was probably at 8, eight o'clock at night already. Script waiting for you at Warner Brothers. You have to pick it up because you're going in on it tomorrow. And I said, okay, fine. So I go and I drive, and I this guard hands me about 100 pounds of script. And I thought, there is no way I'm going to get through reading this. I'll just, I'll just, what am I going to do? I'll just read a couple of the scenes that I'm supposed to go in on, and, and that's the best I can do. So I went in the next day, and uh, I read for Chuck McClain and for um, the director, Richard Hefner. And uh, before I left, let's see, I did the audition, and I was wearing what I could put together in my head is something that was period like a long skirt and a wow. or a lacy little tube top thing and a, another shirt over it and the shirt kept falling off the tube top thing and I finally went, oh, who cares? I'll leave it. I'll keep going. And that was very Ashton. And um, before I left the building, I was called to the phone to told to go and uh, go to wardrobe and they were going to test me for it. And it was incredibly exciting, you know, and I tested for it, and I don't know who else tested for it, but they kept me waiting for three weeks, and I came back to New York, and I went back to my waitressing job, and I was just, couldn't believe I didn't hear anything, and finally, my manager called me up, and he said, you got it, and I cried, (laughs) and I screamed, and I was thrilled. Wow. That thing had the most star-studded cast in in. Uh, you, I mean, you want to you want to say the history of television. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to imagine now that it's hard to imagine now that the great Patrick Swayze was ever unknown, and that was one of his first major roles. I mean, he was known. I mean, we knew he was already sort of the name when he, he when we were doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. he was definitely a name at that point, but um, this for sure put him on the map. Uh, as a very sexy leading man, and he was wonderful, as was James Reed and everybody in it. And it, I mean, the day that Jimmy Stewart was shooting, now I didn't have any scenes with Jimmy Stewart, but everyone showed up on that set. <laughs> everybody was sitting there watching Jimmy Stewart work, and he was so professional and knew his lines and was so sweet and kind. And, you know, it was really such a great lesson that someone who was so famous and such an incredible talent still took the time to be professional, to know wow. his words, to be there on time, to hit his marks, to do everything right and and be kind. Absolutely. You know, that was a, a, really a huge lesson. You don't have to be nasty. <laughs> I've worked with a few nasty ones. <laughs> you, you don't have to be. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. And plus, uh, Liz Taylor had a small part, Hal Holbrook, Bob Mitchum. Right. Good, Jeannie Francis, who at that time was arguably the most famous woman in the world. She was, and she was my sister on it, and we had tons of fun together. She's, wow. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And a great girl named Kirstie Alley, who grew up to be a huge star. Yes, absolutely. In her own right. We three hung out all the time together. We, Kirstie always brought tons of clothing and tons of jewelry and nightgowns and we would play games together we used to have this one game where we would pretend if we had a day off we would pretend that we were sick and we would put on white nightgowns and we would have to stay in and we'd have to have room service and we would have to just because we were just so ill we couldn't move we would just have to sleep all day that was our way of being able to just stay in and have fun Did you have kind of an instant sense that that this this was going to be the project that would send kind of the whole crop of you guys into orbit? Um, yeah, because that's that's pretty much what ended up happening. Huge, I mean, it was a huge show, so it was 
the largest miniseries at that time, and maybe of any time, I don't know how many hours it was now, uh, if you put all three of them together, something like mm-hmm. 30 hours of television. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think we had a sense we were doing something that was really going to be special. The wardrobe was spectacular. The reenactors were amazing. Um, it, the Civil War stuff was incredible. It was incredible. And we would visit the set even though we weren't in, like, the fighting sequences at all. Sure. But we would walk through all these men, and it was eerie, and, you know, smoke was in the air, and it was so realistic. It was and, you an know, let, production. let's remember, we're not talking about today's technology. We're talking about 25 years ago when this was right, filmed. Right, exactly, and they, they did an incredible job with it. Uh, my sense is that it was a, it was a tough project to film. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> It was tough because we had all the elements. We were on location um, on and off for a year, and so we had, you know, really cold weather to incredibly hot weather in the south, which you're experiencing now. But they sure. had these bugs that were called noceums. I don't know. Are you familiar with these bugs? No, I'm not. Get, oh, they would get into our wigs, and they would get into our corsets, into our clothing, and we couldn't do anything about it. You, you know, if you were doing a take, you would say your words, and they'd say cut, and you'd like grab, you know, a, a um, comb from the hairdresser and you start poking your wig because these bugs would get in there. And the only thing that stopped these bugs from biting you was an Avon product, <laughs> which they're probably not real thrilled about, but it was an Avon product that, that we used to keep these bugs off of us. So we had all of these elements and heavy wardrobe. We didn't skimp on the wardrobe at all. It was absolutely it was not pantaloons. It was... Um, hoop skirts and then velvet dresses over that and I remember one day that we were in Texas and we were filming and it was a hundred and something degrees and mm-hmm. I was in a very thick red velvet outfit that was you know pulled in real tight with a corset and we were in a warehouse and it was really hot and I started to faint and you couldn't I couldn't bend because the corsets are so tight so they had to lift me up under my arms carry me outside get some air and get some water and some Gatorade into me. So it was it was tough in that way, but it was a lot of fun. Wow. My friend Joanne is 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 uh IMing me and she's saying that she knows those bugs and it was Avon skin so soft that you skin used. Skin so soft, that's what it was. Yes. yes. And she's saying they used to send it to the military to fight off bugs in the jungle. Yes, Avon, who knew? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you guys must have bought that stuff in bulk. We had a lot of it. Yep, <laughs> we had a lot of it. Thank you, Joanne, for remembering. Oh. So isn't it hilarious how, how DVD and video have allowed a whole new generation of, of uh, fans to kind of find these miniseries and, and fall in love with them all over again the same way we did? It's true. I mean, I get letters still from people that are you know, much younger than a newer generation who love it. They just love it. I think that's great. DVDs, right on. Keep selling them. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, even though it's, it's you know, period costumes and it's, you know, set 150 years ago, it's still, uh, you know, the the same basic elements that, that make any good story entertaining. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, love, love stories, it's deceit, it's lies, it's treachery, it's, yes. you know, all, the stuff of, of all good drama is in, is in those miniseries. And, you know, it, it, all you got to do is watch a few minutes and you're engrossed all over again. Yes, this one definitely had it all. And, of course, we lost David Carradine last week. Yes. Which was, was very sad. Through uh, mysterious circumstances, evidently. Yes. Uh, well, not so mysterious anymore, but yes. Um that was very sad. I liked David. And you know, we were a horrible t- character, but <laughs> I liked him. And you know, we were talking about Farah and Michael earlier. Uh, yeah. Your co-star Patrick has has undergone some pretty serious health problems the past couple of years. Have yeah. you kept in touch with him? No, I haven't kept in touch with him. Um the only one I really kept in touch with is Leslie Ann Down. Okay. And Kirsty every once in a while. So what's your take on the, I don't know, it's probably not a fair question to ask you because you're just an actress, but but what is your take on the disappearance of miniseries and these type of events from network television these days? 
I think you know, you know, I think it's really sad. I, 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 you know, as much as I love cable, and I, I mean, I'm a true, true blood fanatic. Um, I think that it's taken away from regular network television, and it's it's certainly hurting the soaps, daytime soaps, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a shame. I, you know, we're watching John and Kate plus eight or whatever that's called, you know, taking away from fun shows that, that I think that we need to escape, you know, people need to escape in their lives, and soap operas provided that for them and make them feel that, that their life isn't so bad because, you know, look what's happening there, and I, I think it's sad that these genres are disappearing. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that. I, I, there's an actor named Scott Bryce. I'm sure you know the name. Sure. Um, uh, on Azeroth, he was on Azeroth. Absolutely, absolutely. He, he w- I was listening to an interview of his last year, and he was saying basically that same thing. Uh, because of shows like TMZ Now and Entertainment Tonight and Inside Edition and all these shows that take real-life news and you know real celebrities and package their stories as as you know kind of as entertainment these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, those are our new soap characters. People like Brad Pitt. And Angelina, right. people like John and Kate, you know, because we follow their stories on a daily basis, and you know, wait for the next for the next event to happen, wait for the next you know news to break. Right. Those are our new soap characters, and we don't have any use for you know the uh, made up fiction anymore when we have real life, and it's just as entertaining and just as engrossing. Right, right. That's absolutely true. I agree with him completely. You know, it's it's sad, but in some ways you can't unring a bell. I mean, you know how do. How do you go back to the old way after you find such success with the new way? I don't know. That's a good question. And, you know, everyone's talking about how soaps are going down the tubes, and we can talk about that later. But, you know, I can remember back in the day when every season we looked forward to seeing these huge epic miniseries like Roots and The Winds of War, North and South. Uh, And we couldn't wait to see what they were going to adapt next. And I'm just wondering if it's, if it's economics, if it's the fact that we don't have an attention span anymore as an audience, if it's something else, if it's all of the above. I think it has to do with advertising money um, for television, that uh, advertisers don't want to put in uh, and don't think that an audience will stay put for eight hours to watch something. Um, so they won't put the money into it. Yeah. I, I loved my first one I ever saw was Rich Man, Poor Man, and that was the best. <laughs> oh my god, that got me hooked on miniseries Wow Get it I can remember being a kid And I can't remember anything about it uh, In terms of plot points or actors or anything But I can remember NBC doing uh, one called Shogun which Oh was, yeah, I loved Shogun That was great I don't because know, it Chamberlain. was Yeah, exactly It was, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours I mean, it was this huge, sprawling mm-hmm. thing And I can just remember my parents you know, sitting down after dinner, after dinner every night, and uh, watching this, and me watching with them, and you know, it was just, uh, it, 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 I mean, this kind of event television just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, you get, you know, the American Idol finale these days, and you get the Super Bowl every year, but you don't get these kind of things that, that you can really share as a family. Right. No, you don't. You don't. Maybe you'll get a Hallmark Hall of Fame <laughs> once in a while. That's you know, that's family oriented, but no, you don't get that anymore. It's a shame. It really is. So following the North and South miniseries, or the first two anyway, you moved on to a huge role on uh, the hugely successful soap opera Dynasty, primetime soap Dynasty. Um, My sense is that it wasn't the greatest time to be a member of that cast at that time, and that there was was lots of tensions on that set in the show's later years. Is that fair or no? Um, There was and there wasn't. I mean... It was still a hugely popular show, so it was great to be on that for that reason. Um, a lot of my stuff, most of my stuff, was with Joan Collins and the men. Okay. Um, that who did you play happened. for those of us who, who don't? Pardon me? Who, who did you play on the show for those of us who don't? Oh, Leslie Carrington, Leslie Saunders okay. Carrington. And so I was uh, John Forsythe's niece. Okay. In it, uh, John Forsythe had a brother named Ben, and I was Ben's daughter. But Ben ended up leaving, and I ended up staying. 
and living in the mansion with everyone else. Everyone lived in the mansion. This was one big mansion. I mean, you'd meet up with people for breakfast that you hadn't seen for weeks. It's true. I remember one scene we shot, and it was it was John James, and it was like, oh, hadn't seen his character in a while. Here we are, breakfast time. How funny. It was. It was a fun. It, but the tent, but, you know, yeah, there were some tensions. Um, gosh, can I even? I don't, I don't know if I can even say them or not. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, I'm sure it happens all the time. You know, uh, a show kind of starts off very unassuming and very, you know, kind of nondescript, and then all of a sudden takes off like a rocket, and and uh, you know, the the success kind of goes to everybody's head a little bit, and that's kind of yeah, my that ha- I mean, that happens with. With every show, sure. I mean, how every can show it not? Has been on for a long period of time. I remember when I was leaving Dynasty, I decided not to go back, which was probably my biggest regret. Um, not my biggest, but a, a huge regret of mine. It was a stupid decision, but I decided not to go back. And I ran into Joan Collins in the hallway, and I said, "You know, how can you keep coming back?" And she goes, "Darling, I look at my paycheck." <laughs> I thought, well, that's fabulous. <laughs> Such a great note to end on, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, she was the highest paid woman in the history of, of television to that point. Yes, yes, yeah. she was. So she was a, she was a happy gal. <laughs> Damn right. On that you know, show, I, at least. I, I, I had the great Gordon Thompson on my show several months back. And I you love crossed, Gordon. You crossed paths with him uh, a couple of times. Yes. Did, I love did you Gordon. Get... He's incredibly kind and such a good-looking man and generous, and he's just a great guy. And just brilliant. I mean, completely articulate and and just uh, intelligent beyond all reason. I mean, mm, yeah, I agree. He's did you get a chance person. to do much work with him on I either did Dynasty a lot or Santa of work Barbara? With him. Um, no, not on Santa Barbara, but I did on Dynasty. But, okay. um No, uh, no work with him on Santa Barbara, if I can recall. Santa Barbara is a bit of a blur for me. I have to, I have to admit because, because I came into a situation where everyone was, you know, Cruz and Eden. They were Cruz and Eden lovers. Exactly. And then Eden, she left. She wanted to leave. Marcy Walker wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. I didn't push her out. And when I came (laughs) on, it was like it was hatred. It was. I mean, people just hated me. I got horrible mail, death threats. Um, it was really, it was a blur, and and the character was not fully developed, and sure. they just, it, it wasn't a good thing. And there was an it, there was an insane amount of turnover behind the scenes, and uh, a, a ton of executive instability. I mean, you must have kind of knew early on that that part really wasn't going to work out for you in the long run. You know, I had no idea. If you sort of learn that if your character doesn't involve itself with more than one person, you're not going to last. So my character, they just kept my character with A. Martinez for the longest time, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's fantastic working with him because I, mm-hmm. I think he's genius. Um, but when they don't put you with anybody else, you have no family, you have nothing else, there's no reason to keep you on there. Towards the end, they did have me with a couple of the other, you know, younger cast, and that was really fun, and I was so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I knew it wouldn't last. Well, and the awful thing that they did was they brought you on immediately after Marcy left. I mean, they gave they gave there was the no, audience not even a time lapse. Her body was still warm, and I was moving in on it, you know. And, uh, yeah, boy, the mail. When I think I mean, about the mail that I sure. got. Sure. You know, the audience will forgive you anything if you just give them time to adjust. If you give them time, you think, I don't know, they just loved that couple so much. I don't think anybody could really have come in and, and warmed their hearts. <laughs> I think it plus was an it, impossible task. Plus it was a strange story where she was she was pretending to be your character at the very end of her run and it was just it was all very strange and kind of uh unfocused. Right. Yeah, it was. They just she just she wanted to leave so they had to quickly figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know, I had a great guy named Michael Brainerd on uh, a couple months ago too and Michael was one of the ones that I worked with at the end that I had so much fun with. 
Yeah, you know, he told me that before you left, he was slated to be your love interest, and that he was greatly looking forward to kind of working with you on the show heavily. Yeah, and then it was just gone, because they had us doing some really funny scenes. We had one scene where we were in a kitchen, and we were supposed to be baking a pie or making cookies, and we ended up doing like a Three Stooges fight where bits of food, like I would take an entire thing of flour and pour it on his head real slowly and real thrilled with myself, and then he would take butter and mush it in my hair. And, you know, we we had a great rapport. We had really good timing together. That would have been great. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what, what a great guy. What a great guy, a great actor. Yeah, he, he was terrific. I enjoyed working with him a lot. You know, I mentioned I mentioned uh, Farrah Fawcett earlier. You two were kind of, um, I don't know, very telegenic, very beautiful, very hot stars in, in the 80s. Did you two ever cross paths at all? Never did, no. Never did. It's very sad she passed away today. I know. I, 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 there was a, a documentary about her kind of struggle with cancer that was on right. a couple of months ago, and I finally watched it a couple of weeks ago. I had it on the DVR forever. And I finally sat there and watched it and bawled my way entirely through it. Did you really? Yes, I did. You know, I, I lost my father to uh, colon cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Four years ago. And so, you know, oh. these cancer stories are kind of rough for me. But yeah. but I, I very much wanted to watch this. And, you know, I've, I've followed that story pretty pretty intensely over the past couple of years. And, and it was just so sad. And, you know, for a while there, it looked like she was going to get better. And then it kind of took a turn for the worse again. Yeah, it did. It sounds like my phone may be losing its power. I'm going to switch phones as we sort of talk here. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. There. Much better. <laughs> okay. So after Santa Barbara, you went on to General Hospital for a small part. Um, do you have any memories of working on that show? Uh, I do, because it was one of these another one of these very strange situations where Tony Geary decided that he didn't want to be Luke. He wanted to play this character, Bill. And Bill was this very dark, <laughs> mean character. And his character had been in love with mine years before, and he finds me in in a nunnery or something, and, I, and I'm blind, and he takes me back to General Hospital, and you know, fixes my eyes, and we, I was very excited because we got to do the typical, you know, where the lens is out of focus as she's starting to see, and then the lens becomes clear and she's uh-huh. seeing again. I loved that. That that was just so great to be able to do that. Um, but all my stuff was was with Tony, so I, again, I knew, boy, this one's not going to last, because <laughs> it was, yeah, here we go, the one-on-one again. Um but everyone was was really nice on that show, and uh, and I really liked working with Tony. He was a very giving actor, and he he really I mean the character Bill was so dark, and so mm-hmm. he was very, he was in a very dark period in his life mm-hmm. I think to be able to play that character. Um, but he was always really nice, very generous, very professional, which again I appreciate. Um, because if I'm going to learn my lines, damn it, the other person better know their lines too. Um, it was. Uh, it lasted. I think I was on for about nine months, nine months, or maybe a little bit longer. And then right after that, went and did North, North and South Three. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Santa Barbara General Hospital at that time was was very much a show in transition. I mean, there was, you know, it was kind of uneasy behind the scenes, just like at Santa Barbara. I guess you're you're drawn to these. To these troubled shows. It's crazy, isn't it? Put me on a show where there's no trouble. And keep me on there for a little bit longer and let me meet some other people. <laughs> and isn't it funny how you're, how, how you're able to work with both Tony and Jeannie at, at different points in your career? Yes, absolutely. It was great. So you've had great success in daytime, and you've had great success in primetime. Do you have a do you have a preference, or do does each genre kind of feed a different part of your of your talent and your and your personality? I think that they're they're different. Um, I love doing daytime. I I just um, I think my favorite part that I've done in years has to be Iris Dombrowski from Animal sure. World Turns. I, I just there's no I mean I have so much fun doing that. 
Um, and nighttime is different. Nighttime is, is slower. It's like shooting a film where you do just a couple of pages a day, and it's uh, it can be tedious, but um, the work always looks really good. And daytime is different. Daytime you're shooting one episode in one day, and you can have up to you know 30 pages of dialogue in a day, and um, it's hard work. And you know people who used to look at it as as uh, you know that. Boy, would you rather be on nighttime? You know, no, no, I'd rather be working, and I love daytime. <laughs> and isn't it great to see people like uh, Kevin Dobson and Ted Shackelford and and yes, bring them know, on, absolutely. But not all these people who found part. great success in primetime coming to daytime in droves. Yeah, absolutely. Because the nighttime, because the nighttime parts that we used to be able to play are now being taken over by <laughs> movie people who can't get a job in a movie, so they're coming in there taking in television. Yes, and there are there are a few of those parts anyway because of the, the influx of reality, quote-unquote. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, talk a little bit about the differences between daytime when you started and, and your most recent stint. Uh, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm sure that there are, that there are in terms of the way uh, soaps are filmed these days uh, compared to how they were then. You know, just talk about the differences. I mean, I'm sure they're I massive. Think they're filmed. They're filmed pretty much the same way. Um, I have to say that I didn't really notice any difference from when I first started when I was first on Texas to doing As the World Turns. No difference in. Uh, well, there there are two schedules for soaps. Either you block first in the morning and then you go into taping or you block and tape at the same time. So um, there have been soaps that block and tape at the same time, like Santa Barbara, and as the world turns, blocks. When I mean blocking, what I mean is that they tell you where you're standing and when to move, and that's what blocking means. They're blocking a scene. So um, as the world turns in Texas, we blocked first and then we shot after. Okay. So there were there were not really a lot of differences. The differences for me would just be my you know a, a personal growth. Yeah, from absolutely. Texas to the confidence that I have now in doing something like Iris Dombrowski, which was such a fun part. I mean, a fun over the top part for you to dive into, and and you Lovely. did with both feet. I mean, was it? It must have been a blast for you to kind of return to your roots as a scheming bitch. It was. It was. And they let me, I mean, Christopher Goutman, who's the executive producer at As the World Turns, let me just go with whatever I wanted to go with. I don't think he ever said, Terry, that's a little too much, or, you know, take that down a bit, or anything like that. I mean, there was one time where I was doing a scene with uh, Jessie Soffer, and she's supposed to just say, Amazing Grace. Well, I decided that I was just going to belt out the song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I belted out the song, and nobody stopped it, and Jesse almost lost it. He was trying so hard not to laugh. And, you know, and Christopher would just go with it, and that was, what was so great. And he said, you know, you, you're absolutely doing complete comedy, and it's it's great, but it's still serious. <laughs> How much fun. Yeah, it really it really was, and I hope that Iris comes back, and I, I think that she will, and I think she'll be back. Talk about working with the great Jennifer Landon, who played your daughter. What a dynamite actress. She is something else, isn't she? She, uh, I have very maternal feelings, and I stay in touch with her. And um, I love her as if she were my own daughter. And we just had some great, great scenes together. We worked very hard opposite each other. She, um, she's, she's the package. You know, this may not be a fair question to ask you either, but having worked closely with her, give give me your sense. Is a talent like hers genetically placed, or did she just learn by kind of watching what she grew up around? Gosh. Um, or or could I it be a little bit of both? Probably a combination of both. Yeah. Probably a combination. I mean, she grew up around it, so how could it not rub off on you, mm-hmm. the desire to do it? But to have the ability, um, you know, not everyone's born with that ability. So I think it's partially genetic for her. Absolutely. 
and you know how great that she was able to take that whatever talent she did have and and you know find amazing success in her own right. Oh, absolutely! Three Emmy awards. Absolutely. Bing, bing, bing. You know, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> and all of them well earned. I mean, you know, she uh, she didn't walk through any of that material. No, she didn't. She she worked hard. She always. I I'd look at her script and I'd see that she had written out all of the lines next to the lines, and I don't know. That was never a process I've ever seen anyone do, and uh, I guess that was her way of learning it and working out what where to go with it and how, you know, where the character was going. Wow. And what about your children? Are are they showing signs of interest in mom's profession? I have one daughter. She's okay. going to be 23 next uh, in two weeks. And she is, um, she just graduated a year ago from Tisch School at NYU in musical theater. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. She's actually singing around Manhattan doing gigs. She has a show. I'm going to plug her show right now at Joe's Pub on July July 11th at 7 p.m. She's singing at Joe's Pub, which is a really great place in in, uh, the West Village. And she's doing great. Wow. And, uh, I mean, are her aspirations to kind of follow in your footsteps, or or does she want, you know, does she want to... I was trained for musical theater. That was how I started, okay. and um, that's what she's doing. And wow. yes, yeah, she would love to do film and television and all of that. But she's an amazing singer, an amazing actress, and um, I think she'll do really well. Excellent. It's she was, you know, when she was a little girl, I just knew it. It was one of those things where she had these three little dogs. She had the Ninja Turtles, you know, and she would have me do all the voices to all the Ninja Turtles, and she would sing. And so she would do a whole act, and we would do this for hours and hours. And I just thought, that, you know, this is something I I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> there would there's no way. <laughs> so would you like to do another daytime soap? Are you are you open oh, yeah. to to coming back to the form? Absolutely. I loved it. I love it. I think it's a great genre. It has everything in it. And um, and the people are, are really wonderful and hard workers. And I've made such good friends on these shows. Um, one of my best friends is, is the makeup key makeup artist on As the World Turns. I wow. mean, we see each other, talk to each other every single day. Um I love it. I, th- I think it's it's great. It's hard work. It definitely is hard work. Absolutely. I, I you know, I, 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 my sense is that it really tests your metal and and kind of, you know, separates the men from the boys, so to speak, in terms of, in terms of you know acting talent. It does. I think so. I, I, I think that you know. Seems you like if you can make it on one of those shows, you can make it anywhere doing anything. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. You know the, the 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 tragic cancellation of Guiding Light has really kind of sent the daytime world reeling because, yeah. uh, as I wrote on my blog when it, when the news was announced, you know if the oldest oak in the forest can be chopped down with such seeming abandon, how can any show really feel safe in today's climate? It can't, unfortunately. There's no show that can feel safe. There's even you know all the ABC shows. Everyone's had to take pay cuts and mm-hmm. and. Some of the main characters don't work as much as they used to because they can't mm-hmm. afford to do it. It's um, yeah, when Guiding Light was cut, that was that was a really huge, huge thing. And I know that that you know, as the world turns and Guiding Light, those casts are really close. Yeah, well, they were from the same. weren't they from the same show? I mean, one was a spinoff of the other, right? Uh, I, I don't think so necessarily, but I think they were kind of created as sister shows. Right. I think that that Oakdale and Springfield were kind of conceived as neighboring towns. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think they were they were necessarily spinoffs in in name, but okay. but cer- certainly in spirit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, what's on the horizon for Miss Terry Garber? Any any future projects coming down the pike? I might be doing a play over the summer. I'm just not sure yet. Um, I usually take a lot of vacation time over the summer and go to the Cape and hang out there. Um, 
no, you know, I'm doing what every other actress is doing. I'm <laughs> auditioning and I'm waiting to hear that I get something. <laughs> it it must be a major relief to see that that the 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 rumored SAG strike has been averted at least for now. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. boy. It, it could not have been a worse time for a potential strike to happen. So I was really thrilled that it was averted. I don't know that the industry could have, could have weathered another strike. I mean, the the yeah, writer strike, writer's was, strike so, was, killer. was so devastating. Yeah, it really was. Even though, the, you know, the, the motives behind it and the, the reasons behind it were absolutely justified, but, but man. Yeah. And it was really important for the writers to do what they did. And they they sort of set it up for us, you know, for what we needed to look for and for what we needed to act on. Um, they were the stepping stone. No question about it. So any... any um I don't want to be so crass or anything, but any regrets? Are you, are you, are you pretty happy with the way things have... Kind of, of unfolded for you, evolved for you? Um, I definitely have regrets. I think that, as I said, leaving Dynasty um, was a really stupid decision on my part and on my <laughs> agent's part. It, it just was just plain bad. Um, there was only one more year to go. We didn't know there was one more year to go. Uh, I think that that angered um, Aaron, and so I didn't do any spelling shows after that. Mm. Um regrets sure you know you always there's something that you're going to regret but i i am very lucky to have been to have lasted this long in this industry and uh, i hope it keeps going absolutely you know i i ran across uh your your tv guide cover on ebay a couple weeks ago (laughs) do you still have that tucked away in a box somewhere got it tucked away how exciting is that? How that must just that be the hairdo, that 1980s hairdo. <laughs> Holy smokes! Whoever thought of that one? Listen, that was the hottest thing going at the time, and and uh, you were the hottest thing rocking it. So so don't knock it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That must have been the greatest thrill of, of your life, though. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the cover of TV Guide. I mean, you're on the you're on the, the coffee table of thing. of every in every house in the nation. You know, I went to the grocery store, and there they were all, you know, hundreds of them, and nobody recognized me. <laughs> that was really great. That was so funny. Um, but, yeah, it was it was an amazing thrill to have that. The article wasn't so fabulous, but to have the photo was great. Well, <laughs> I don't think my parents were really appreciative of the article too much. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, it's been such a great thrill talking to you, and I appreciate you so much coming by and and kind of you know reminiscing with me a bit. It, I've, like, like I said, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and this was this thank was truly you. a great honor. Oh, thank you, my pleasure. I had such a nice time. And you are welcome here anytime to discuss anything. Great. All right, I'll be but, calling you tomorrow. <laughs> We've got a lot to discuss. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so before I let you go, could I get you to do a quick promo for my show? Absolutely. As long as it includes the words Terry Garber and Brandon's Buzz, anything else is totally up to you. Oh, okay. God, I always need things written for me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think on my own. I have no brain. (laughs) When should I do it? I'm recording now, so anytime you're ready, shoot. Okay, hi, this is Terry Garber, and you are buzzing with Brandon. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Brandon. Take care. (laughs) You too. Have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. The magnificent Terry Garber, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for June 25th, 2009. Uh, I have no show scheduled for next week firmly, but I got a a very happy yes yesterday. I don't want to jinx it because we don't have a firm date yet, Uh, but I'm very happy about this guest, and you will be too. So stay tuned to my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. Uh, for news on upcoming guests, I have uh, several firm yeses, but no firm dates yet. So uh, just stay tuned. As 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 I get news, I will post it on the blog, and, and I will um, update you guys. Also, the show's main website, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. 
uh, is the place to find all the news on this show. You can listen to the show from there. You can download old shows. You can listen to old shows. You can send me an email. You can uh, leave comments. I appreciate, as I said, any and all feedback, positive and negative. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Uh, give me suggestions. Tell me what you'd like to see on the show. By all means, I do the show for you guys, and I appreciate you guys uh, telling me what you like, telling me what you don't like, giving, giving me feedback of any and all kinds. Uh, so please do that. You can do that at both brandonsbuzz.com and the show's website, www.blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Also, as I said, I'm on iTunes. Uh, just type in the words Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the store. Or you can download individual old shows as podcasts, and they're all up there. This is my 27th episode, uh, and the previous 26th they are all up there. And this one will be up there in about an hour or so. So uh, catch me on iTunes. By all means, you can, you can put the show on... Um, uh, uh, your iPod or the the portable device of your choosing, uh, and by all means listen to it and and rate it and love it. So uh, Brandon's buzz in the can. You know I've got a few minutes left, and uh, my great pal Joanne, the host of Stardish Radio, is on the phone with me, and uh, I'm going to bring her on for a few minutes, and we can talk about what's going on on her show tonight. She has a great guest tonight, uh, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Um, I'm clicking the button, Joanne, and it's not letting me put you on, so the minute no. I get... Hey, there you are. Hey! How are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm doing great. Wasn't Terry Garber fabulous? She was a fantastic guest. It, oh, she was great. I love the no see story. I remember those <laughs> nasty little bugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were so nasty, and they just got in everywhere. You know what? I've never heard of this bug in my life. Where, where oh, are my they... gosh. Where are they well, native? I'm, I grew up in New York, so that's where I had them. So, I mean, I, I think they're just about everywhere. It's just a matter of maybe they have different names, but I know the no Sam's. And um, we grew up using Avon Skin So Soft to repel mosquitoes, the no Sam's, anything that bit us, we used the Avon Skin So Soft. How funny. And my dad is the one who started us using it because my dad said when he was in the military, that's what they used to use when he was in Korea. <laughs> that is hilarious. Isn't it? So, yeah, that was pretty funny. I ran in here and I told Tyler, move out of the way, I have to tell them I know what they are. <laughs> move. <laughs> so, so speaking of great uh, guests, you've got one tonight. Tell us all about Stardust tonight at 10 p.m. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. It's Judge Lynn Toller from Divorce Court, and she is just an amazing, amazing woman. I can't wait to hear her thoughts on John and Kate. Yes. She gives out marital advice. She gives out financial advice to those who need it, um, the ins and outs of all couples, when you should do this, when should you move in, you know, Internet dating, all that stuff. She's got opinions on all that stuff, and I, I just can't wait to talk to her and just pick her brain. I mean, as we know, I'm a single woman, and um, I want to know why the hell I'm still single. So maybe she can shed some light on it. I got the kids, but I ain't got the man, so what the hell's wrong with me? So maybe she'll be able to help me out tonight and some other people. So I hope everybody tunes in for that. That would be really cool. Um on a sad note, I have to say rest in peace to Farrah Fawcett and, and Michael Jackson. That this this week is just incredibly sad. I mean, we were always it was always said to us, you know, when someone died, it always came in threes. Yes, yes. And and there you go. Ed, you got Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, and now Michael Jackson, all mm -hmm. huge icons of in their own rights. Oh, as I, as I was as I was telling Terry, I'm going to be 33 next month, and I literally cannot remember my life without Michael Jackson in it. No, not at all. I remember Michael Jackson. I remember my mother buying his album. I mean, I remember the older songs, but I, a, a good specific memory of Michael Jackson is I remember my mom buying Off the Wall. And me, her, and my brothers dancing around the dining room. And, and then I remember when Thriller came out, and we all like cut school to watch this big video. You know, that was like a little mini movie. It was it was mm -hmm. incredible. So, no, I can't remember my life being without him either. And, you know, you could say what you want about his personal life, his appearance, you know, the accusations, but no one, no one on this 
earth can take away the fact that he is one talented musical genius. And, you know, people don't remember now, and, you know, uh, of course, the the new generations coming up have no idea, but, you know, that, that home video for Thriller w- was really the thing that kind of kick-started the home video revolution. Exactly. I mean, you know, it was it was something that things like VCRs and things like home videos, you know, it was something that very few people had any interest in to that point. Mm-hmm. And then this this thriller thing came up, and all of a sudden everybody wanted it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he was the first in a lot of things. And, um, you know, like I said, say what you want about the guy, but you know what? I feel bad for his three children that will never grow up with him. And, you know, his family, as dysfunctional as they may be, you know, he's still their child, and the brothers and the sisters, you know, we all have dysfunction in our families and in our lives, but when someone passes away, especially at the age of 50 years old, Absolutely. you know, I mean, it was rumored to be that, you know, he had heart problems for a really long time, but nothing was ever confirmed. So, yeah. you know, will we ever know the truth? I don't know. I mean, hopefully a... a um an autopsy will be performed, and hopefully it will be made public so we know when, you know, it, it'll happen, you know what I mean, or what happened. It, it puts some uh, closure to it, I guess you could say, but who knows. It, yeah. We may never know. And it's such a sad story all the way around. You know, it's one of those things where he was so completely insulated from, from I don't know, to a certain extent, reality that, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't have – he didn't have uh, – you know, an objective person from the outside to kind of counsel him and guide him. He just, he was so insulated and so, so protected from the world that, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't, he didn't have any, any, any true grasp on reality, it seemed like, especially in the later years. Oh, absolutely. It was almost like he was losing his mind. You know, he was very bizarre, you know, doing dancing at his trial on the on the roof of the, the SUV, showing up to court in his pajamas. And I mean, there was a lot, I mean, he lived his life basically in a fishbowl. And we all watched and gawked as the years went by from from looking at him one way as, as far as appearance goes to what, you know, people, I mean, and I don't say this to take a dig at him, but people used to call him blank man because he basically had no face. You know, uh, you know, he had no nose. I mean, Geraldo Rivera said, he, he, I think Geraldo Rivera said that he was the one who did the very last full-length, full-blown interview with Michael before all this stuff happened, you know, with him. And um, he said that meeting Michael in person, he wore so much makeup, it was, you know, like studio makeup all the time. It was almost like to remold his face. And he had the tiniest hands and the tiniest, so we don't ever really know what was wrong with him. I mean, people always speculate and say, oh, yeah, he wanted to be white, he wanted to be this. You know what? We don't know. And look at him now. He's gone. So hopefully the paparazzi will give his family time to grieve, um, as well as Sarah Fawcett, and, uh, and, and just remember his life. Yeah. You, you know, know it's, it, it's sad to think it's, I mean, you know, if he had been able to handle it, fine. But, but the man was famous for literally the entirety of his cognizant life. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he probably couldn't remember not being famous because he started so young. And you know it's it, it's sad to think that that that's probably what killed him more than anything. Mhm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know they said that you know him preparing for this tour that he was supposed to have his big musical comeback. Um, Geraldo Rivera stated uh, tonight on Fox News that he had sources close to Michael who said that he did hire Lou Ferrigno, uh, who for used to who don't know who that is the the original Hulk, sure. um, to come and train him. And uh, but he, even though his his tour was set to start July fifteenth of this year, he still had not hired any chore- uh, choreographers or anything. He had nothing planned. They said he was very frail and weak. And you know what? Maybe he knew something was happening to him. Maybe he knew. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. You know what? All three of those people suffered with some kind of pain in their life. Um, Ed McMahon with his with his financial troubles, yeah. Farrah Fawcett was just I don't even know I know she had issues and Michael Jackson with his, they're all in a better place now with none of those things to follow them. So you know the main thing is that they are all at peace. Absolutely, you know I was telling Terry that uh, Farrah a couple weeks or a couple of months ago had a documentary kind of chronicling her 
her battle with cancer, and I, yeah. I finally sat down to watch it a couple weeks ago, and I bawled my way uh, all the way through it. I mean, it was it was really powerful stuff. I couldn't watch it. I, mean, I, I, it, I started to, but I couldn't. It, it just yeah. really hit too close to home you know, because, you know what, when I see stuff like that, I mean, I thank God that he spared me, you know. I mean, I go back to the things that I went through having mm-hmm. cancer and, and see people that died of cancer since mm-hmm. I was cured. And it just it gives me a big, fat reality check. Joanne, that could have been you. You could have been the one dying, you know, but you didn't. So I'm here for a reason. What the hell for yet? I don't know. But there has to be something, and it, it just make, it just tells you life is way too friggin' uh, precious. Absolutely, you're here because you, know? you bring joy to thousands. As the host of Stardust Radio, and I'm <laughs> I'm very proud to call you my friend. Oh, singles here, buddy. Singles here. Well, I tell you what. Thank you for coming on for the final minutes. I want to tell everybody listening now to tune in to Stardust tonight for Judge Lynn Toller. It's going to be a great show. I've got an intro to go right for it right now. So. I'm going to sign off for Brandon's Buzz for June 25th today. Um, as I said, I have no shows firm for next week, but I got a I got an exciting yes yesterday that we haven't we haven't set a date for, but hopefully it's going to be next week. So stay tuned to Brandon's Buzz and BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/Brandon'sBuzz for complete news on that. The minute I get confirmation, I will put it up. So I'm very excited about this, and I hope you guys will be too. And I hope you. Uh, continue to enjoy listening to this show and liking this show and telling me what you think about this show. Thank you very much, Joanne. Anytime, darling, anytime. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Signing off from Brandon's Buzz.